0: Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays, on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866 609 11 eleven. All right, I need to say I need to start by saying we kind of goofed last few days. I need to apologize to our uh, our podcasting platform a company called Podbean. P O D B E A N. We didn't understand why our live stream got cut off forty five minutes into it Thursday, and only about fourteen minutes into it on Friday. And. You know, we're sitting here thinking, is it something I said? And so we reached out to them and tried to figure out what's going on, and I went on Twitter and asked them what was going on. I even found their CEO on, uh, on LinkedIn, asked what's going on. And we finally figured out, our IT team figured out, that if we log into our account while the live stream is going on, that brings the live stream to a halt, and we did not know that. So, because it didn't make any sense to us, the live stream stopped. And then later, after I finished talking, we would upload the whole podcast, and the whole thing would be there. So we're so we apologize. It was our fault. We goofed. Uh, our, our i team, our IT team, uh, didn't realize that uh, logging on to The Podbean account, while I'm doing the live stream, shuts it down. So we apologize to Podbean. They've been doing a great job, and we goofed up on our end. All right, now, that having been said, this is episode six of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious Last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Now, one of the things I want to mention here before I go any further Is my appreciation for a young man named Dan Bongino. Dan Bongino is a major nationally syndicated radio talk show host. And yesterday, he paid tribute to all of us who were fired by Cumulus Media, the second biggest radio company in America, for refusing their vaccine mandate. Yesterday, Dan Bongino told the CEO of Cumulus Media, a woman named Mary Berner, if she didn't rehire us, he's going to walk. Uh, that's not something that a person who has heard on hundreds of radio stations has ever done before. And I'm so impressed with this, with this young man. You know... A lot of us were taught when we were young, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We're taught that uh, it's important to put yourself in the other person's shoes. All right? Well, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are like, hey, 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 as long as, uh, as long as I got mine, then I don't care about the other guy. Dan Bongino is a man who actually takes what we were taught growing up seriously. He put it all on the line yesterday. And I just find it remarkable. Remarkable. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to thank him personally. I hope so. Um, A couple of our listeners said he mentioned me by name on a show yesterday. We haven't been able to find that. But I'll play for you what we did find. And this guy is tough as nails. He's got guts. And, uh. I can't tell you how impressed I am with this young man, Dan Bongino, Uh, not, not just because he was a New York police officer, not just because he was a Secret Service agent willing to take a bullet to protect the president, but also because yesterday, on his nationally syndicated radio talk show that is syndicated by a company called Westwood One, that is owned by Cumulus Media, Dan Bongino said this.
1: Imagine the countless number of individuals trying to explain to these companies ever thought of that. The countless numbers of moms and dads who are sitting at some kitchen table explaining to their kids how they may have to move out, how daddy doesn't have a job because a bunch of people in a C-suite thought it'd be a good idea to sit around and play pretend Dr. Fauci for a moment and mandate people jam something in their bodies that they don't want to take? You ever put yourself in that in that role? You ever put yourself at that kitchen table with mom and dad telling their kids that? Imagine how the kids respond, that fear they got to live with. You know, I grew up without a lot of money. My mom used to make bologna sandwiches for dinner. And when the bologna was no good, you'd cook it and you'd make it good right quick, Right. I'm not leaving any of those guys behind. You can have me, or you can have the mandate. But you can't have both of us.
0: Wow. I was just stunned when I heard that. And I'm still stunned. God bless him. God bless him. Um, I, uh, I don't know what else to say about that. You know, I I don't know what else to say about that other than there's a guy who puts his money where his mouth is. That's just phenomenal. Thank you, Dan Bongino. On behalf of everybody else that got fired by Cumulus Media for refusing to take the jab. Thank you, Dan Bongino. All right, we got uh, breaking news. Hat tip. Remember, if, if you're hearing this, uh, you know, later after the show, we, we do it live at noon Eastern, 11 Central. And for the time being, you have to uh, download the Podbean app on your smartphone. But, so we got breaking news just a few minutes ago. Governor Ron DeSantis announcing that Florida's ports are open and will step up to ease the backlog of ships in New York and California contributing to the supply chain crisis. God bless Governor Ron DeSantis because there are are major concerns out there Of grocery prices going way up. Way up. And I want to. I want to explain to you. the Well, I'll give you the best description. The best explanation that I have found. About what's going on with the supply chain problems. What and why. And how that whole thing is playing out. I follow a a profile over there on Twitter, called Cultural Husbandry. And he's got a thread, which I think is the best explanation I've come across for our supply chain issues. And it uh, came out Sunday. He says, most people in government and in society don't understand that the modern world operates on a just-in-time supply chain. Now, I'd heard about that before. I got a pretty good understanding of that, I think, but apparently a lot of people don't. He says, so people keep asking, what caused this? Biden is an idiot. He's ruining the economy. Is it because workers are refusing the jab? He says, let's take a look. The shutdown in early 2020 was the first time in modern history that supply chains and national economies all decided to collectively pause for a 15-day period. This has never happened before. Not after the September 11 attacks on our country, not after the fall of the Berlin Wall, not after the collapse of the USSR. There was no fundamental understanding of what this would do. Many people felt that economies and supply chains would pick up where they left off like a two-week vacation had just happened. But that isn't what happened. Things fumbled trying to start back up in a big way as governments tried to figure out what policy worked, what policy didn't work, and what level of threat the Wu flu, the China virus, really was They weren't prepared for the effects shifting policies had on a global, just-in-time supply chain that had now been shuttered. When China implemented the first lockdown anywhere in the world, the supply shock immediately hit European and American companies. Baldwin and Freeman, 2020, have referred to this as supply chain contagion this supply chain contagion is still circulating with us today. Even the World Economic Forum had to admit that in June of 2020, the overall impact of the outbreak and the resulting emergency measures on international trade resulting from COVID-19 remain to be seen. Got it? So the World Economic Forum said they had no clue what these lockdowns and shutdowns had done to the system. Now, just-in-time supply chains, their their management is a pervasive practice. Even in industries like wood and products of wood or non-metallic mineral products, about 30% of all companies report participation in -in just-in-time supply chains. About two-thirds of firms in motor vehicles production are just-in-time intensive, which is the highest penetration in the sample. About two-thirds of all manufacturing workers in France are employed in just-in-time supply chains, and 60% of French international trade volume can be traced to just-in-time firms. Now, do you know what he means by just-in-time Just-in-time supply chains? Let me, let me try to explain it to you. When I was 16 years old, 1972, I was a bag boy at a grocery store in Charlotte, North Carolina called Giant Genie. And we had a pretty big back room full of a lot of stuff that was eventually going to go out into the store to be sold, right? I noticed years later in the mid-90s when I was on an involuntary sabbatical from radio and I was a telemarketer for a Sam's Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, They didn't have much inventory in any kind of a back room. Everything was just in time. The inventory is computerized and you get things just in time to put them out on the show floor, just in time to put them on the, sh- on the shelves because it saves money, you know? You don't have to have a big back room full of stuff. The trucks bring it when you need it. All right? So again, about two-thirds of firms in motor vehicle production are just-in-time intensive which is the highest penetration in the sample. About two-thirds of all French manufacturing workers, I hate that word, about two-thirds of all French manufacturing employees are employed in -in just-in-time supply chains and 60% of French international trade volume can be traced to just-in-time firms. And France is not unique in this. They just have some of the most comprehensive data available on just-in-time supply chain metrics within their nation. All first world nations now rely on just-in-time supply chains with China, the European Union, and the U.S. being the backbone of the international economy. Fast forward to June 2021. China shuttered one of its largest ports, the third largest one, due to an outbreak of the Wu flu, the Rona. This put another major stutter into an already stumbling system, Goods shipped in June from China are fourth quarter staples in the United States and the European Union. So as soon as a June stumble affects December, you see a six-month ripple effect take place overnight. Couple this with driver shortages, strikes, fuel issues and restrictions, too few vessels, mandates and refineries shuttering. If workers test positive, you end up with a drive-up in real prices on goods that are already shelved, and a lack of incoming product as replacement. Poor Fed policy of near zero rates helps fuel money printing and government spending as an attempted offset. This drives actual inflation. Now, if you've got a year's worth of backlogs in the system, shortages, rising costs, monetary inflation, a bulk of the population wanting to go back to their normal lives while a powered but smaller portion want to stay behind COVID measures and mandates. So any return to normalcy is at least a year away at the earliest until policies are entirely redrawn to pre-COVID. The just-in-time supply chain the global system operates on will be operating like a person trying to run while his shoelaces are tied together. So. There's gonna be a lot of stumbling. Take the European fertilizer manufacturers, a key element in global food production. Uh, you know, and this is important because when you hear the words European fertilizer manufacturers, the tendency for a lot of people is to go, yeah, that doesn't affect me. That's talk about something over in Europe. No, 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 no. Everything's interconnected. This is actually a key element in global food production. As recently as September, last month, they have shuttered two of the European Union's largest fertilizer manufacturers due to high fuel costs. And he links to an article from Bloomberg.com entitled, Europe's Energy Crunch is Forcing UK Factories to Shut Down. Now, fertilizer prices are already high, and that's adding to increasing expenses for farmers who are paying more for everything from land and seeds to equipment. The higher cost of production may mean even more food inflation is on the way. This could also indicate food shortages. Higher costs for fuel means higher costs for heating homes at a time when consumers are also paying more for food and many are still struggling from the pandemic's economic fallout. This could look to become cyclical as industries gain footing, then stumble, shortages occur, and repeat. The only way for a just-in-time global supply chain to function as it had prior to COVID is in an unrestricted manner, meaning unrestricted by COVID or post-COVID policies. Until that happens, we will be in an ever-increasing cycle of traction stumbling, shortages, and cost increases. What governments choose to do is beyond me. I, I don't suspect we see anything anything positive on the near horizon. We may be living in a not-in-time supply chain for the foreseeable future, so be kind to your neighbors. You know, I one of the things we try to do here, One of the things we try to do here is share things with you that you're probably not getting elsewhere, okay? So I hope the thread that I just shared with you from Cultural Husbandry trying to explain the situation that we're in with this well-oiled machine called Just in Time, all of a sudden having a monkey wrench thrown into the works when 15 days to slow the spread was announced in March of last year, I I, I hope that will be helpful to you in, in trying to understand what's going on and why prices are going up and, and, and why you're seeing shortages of certain basic goods. Um, Billionaire supermarket owner warns food prices will go up tremendously over at the epictimes.com. Okay, so a buddy of mine texted this to me, and it says, uh, let me see, premium. But I'm, I'm logged into the Epic Times over here on my PC. I think I might be able to get it. Um, Log in. There we go. Okay. Because this looks important to me. This looks important to me. Do a little search here in the Epic Times for billionaire and see if we can get it. Because <laughs> the last thing in the world we want is for food prices to go up tremendously. When I say we, I mean you and me. It's a relatively uh, little short little article here, Jack Phillips over the TheEpicTimes.com. I'll share it on my Facebook page here in a little bit. The owner of a New York City supermarket chain predicted the food prices will increase sharply in the coming months with some increasing to 10% in the next two months. John meditas, the billionaire supermarket owner of Gristitis and D'Agostino Foods, warned that food giants such as Nabisco, PepsiCo, and Coca-Cola will prioritize raising prices on products. In an interview with Fox Business on Monday, this billionaire... Grocery store chain owners said, I see over 10% price increase in the next 60 days. He added the trend will not drop anytime soon. Katsomeditas cited rising inflation and supply chain bottlenecks, what we were talking about a little bit ago, that are currently plaguing supermarkets and other retailers around the United States. Katsomeditas then cautioned, I see food prices going up tremendously because food company CEOs want to be ahead of the curve. And the way they're doing it is they're dropping all promotions. They are dropping low moving items. He said, why give away something when you don't have to give it away and you make more margins. So I think that now these companies are going to have record profits in the third quarter. Experts have said, that a significant backlog of shipping containers is currently being processed at two major California ports, snarling delivery of food and other goods, energy shortages in the Asia-Pacific and Europe area, as well as COVID-19-related concerns, lockdowns, and vaccine mandates have also been blamed for the supply crunch. Well, there's more to it than that, and and that's why I shared the um, the just-in-time explanation for you a few moments ago. But Jack Phillips over the Epic Times continues, earlier this month, the White House announced that it was able to push Walmart, FedEx, and UPS into committing to adding more shifts to alleviating shipping issues. The Port of L.A. also committed to 24-7 shifts, according to the Biden administration. Not sure if that's true or not. Compared with a year ago, consumers are paying significantly more for goods and services already, according to recent data released by the Labor Department. Of course, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that's a good thing. This comes as the Labor Department reported the Consumer Price Index, a key inflation gauge that measures how much Americans pay for goods and services, rose approximately four-tenths of a percent in September, up 5.4% year-to-year. And again, Biden said, well, was it Biden or Jen Psaki said Americans aren't looking at year-to-year price increases? Oh, we're not. Okay. For example, Americans are paying about 42% more on average for a gallon of gas than a year ago, paying 10.5% more for eggs, meat, poultry, and fish, 4% more for coffee, 19% more for bacon, 6% more for peanut butter, 27% more for propane, kerosene, and firewood, over 5% more for electricity, and over 24% more for used vehicles, and over 7% more for appliances. Now, I want to mention something to you I heard this morning. Have you ever been in the shower and you listen to the radio while you're in the shower and you hear... Some of it, but you don't hear all of it? Because the shower's so loud in your ears that you get some of the radio, you don't get all of it. So I had the radio on this morning. I was in the shower, and I was on a station with a uh, Christian financial guy named Dan Celia, and he's really good. I like Dan. He had a caller who made an interesting point. The caller said, that the truckers need to stand firm against the vaccine mandate. And if there gets to be too much of a shortage of people to drive the trucks, then there will be chaos in the grocery stores, and the Biden administration will have to back down. And I wish I could have heard Dan's response, but, you know, I'm in the shower, so I missed, I missed Dan's response, but I heard what the caller said. Unfortunately, the caller and people who think like the caller don't understand the possibility that Biden, also known as Let's Go Brandon, and whoever is pulling his strings may actually want chaos in the grocery stores. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 think about it, think about it. Think about Venezuela. When Hugo Chavez took over Venezuela, if he had let it remain a free country, I mean, they have so many natural resources there, Venezuela would have continued to be a prosperous country, as they were up until the time he took over and now his successor after he passed. But clearly he didn't want that. He likes the idea of people scrounging in the back of garbage trucks trying to find something to eat. So the idea that Biden and those who were pulling his strings would look at... Entry grocery store shelves. If that is indeed, if it indeed gets that bad across the country, and and we we'll start going, oh no, we gotta, we gotta back down. We gotta change our policy. Well, what if that's what they want? What if that's what they want? See, I, I think not enough people have considered that possibility. I have. And odds are you have too. But a lot of people, a lot of people have no idea. Have no idea whatsoever. You know what? Speaking of the backlog at the ports, let's dip in a little bit and hear what Governor Ron DeSantis said just, just a few minutes ago, announcing that Florida's ports are open and will step up to ease the backlog of ships in New York and California contributing to the supply chain crisis. It went something like this.
2: Uh, as many of you know, we are facing uh, major disruptions, a, 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 as a, not only just in the United States but beyond, but certainly in the United States, disruptions in the supply chain. You've seen the images of all these ships docked off the coasts of, of various cities in the United States where there's a big log jam. That, of course, is impacting what we see in terms of on our, on our store shelves. We see more empty shelves than, than we're used to seeing, and, and there's shortages of different things. Of course, we're also seeing increased cost in terms of inflation, year-over-year uh, year increase in food prices so far is the highest it's been in 10 years. And of course, many commuters have been, have been suffering under about a 50% increase in gasoline. And so you see uh, a lot of problems. I know they just announced, well, in California, maybe they'll start having the, the port operate 24-7. Our ports operate 24-7. I mean, that should be happening anyways. Uh, and so we in Florida uh, have the ability uh, to help alleviate these log jams and help to ameliorate the problems with the supply chain. And part of it is because we've long been committed to reliable, modern, and accessible port facilities. Since I became governor in 2019, uh, we've allocated almost a billion dollars to over 70 Florida seaport projects. And uh, these are uh, approaches that have have made us uh, really, really strong. And, of course, the the port is one, and then once it gets off the port, uh, with the different operations that we offer, both rail and road, uh, it really, really, really is, um, I think, a model uh, for, for the rest of the country. So we're here. We have capacity. And not only that, uh, I'm proud to announce, and I'm going to let the directors talk a little bit more, uh, that, that Jacksport and some of the other ports uh, are also stepping up, even above and beyond, uh, by offering incentive packages to businesses who want to move their cargo uh, through these ports, like Jacksport. Uh, This will make a huge difference. If you think about a place like Jacksport, you have close to 100 million consumers that live within one day's drive of Jacksport.
0: Okay, this is fantastic. And that's a good guy. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I hope he's president someday. Now, speaking of Florida, I just noticed this tweet from this morning from United States Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio. He says, Florida has no mandates, more freedom, and COVID cases dropping, whereas New York has mandates, less freedom, and COVID cases rising, but the media won't tell you that. They won't tell you that. By the way, Washington Post op-ed piece this morning, Says, don't rant about short staffed stores and supply chain woes. Try to lower expectations. And they actually have a picture here of empty shelves. Lower expectations. You know, we had uh, none of these crises under Trump. Now we have a lot of crises. under Biden and whoever his puppet master is. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? One of the people I follow on Twitter is a guy named Robert J. O'Neill. He's the guy that took the kill shot that took Osama bin Laden out. He's the guy that killed Osama bin Laden. And guess what he said this morning? Referring to the September 11th, 2001 attacks on the Twin Towers... He said, people in the South Tower were told to stay at their desks. The same people who told them that are the same people who are telling you to wear a mask. That's true. That's true. You know, it, it reminds me, I don't know if you realize this, but when our nation was attacked on September 11, 2001, let me back up. Um, in radio and television, there's something called the EAS, the Emergency Authorization System. It used to be called the EBS, the Emergency Broadcasting System. So when there is an emergency, that's what kicks in. That's what goes into effect. Except the day that a couple of uh, jets at the World Trade Center. um, That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Um, Didn't happen. Didn't happen. And that's shame. I talked to I talked to the um, guy who was the general manager of a TV station when I was in Panama City, Florida. Um, And I, I mentioned that to him. He said, well, they probably didn't want to alarm people. They probably didn't want to alarm people. Unbelievable. Well, see, I I would think that would be the time that you want to alarm people, right? It's a a crazy world we live in. It's a crazy world we live in. Chris Pandolfo over the blaze has a story of the Marine veteran who wants to sue Walmart after a pharmacist denied him access to ivermectin. Hear about this? A retired Marine from Albert Lee, Minnesota, wants to take Walmart to court after a pharmacist refused to fill his doctor's prescription for ivermectin. To treat his case of COVID-19, Bill Salier, a Marine Corps veteran who served in Somalia and a former U.S. Senate candidate, shared his story Monday on the Steve Dace show, describing how a local Walmart pharmacist refused to fulfill a doctor's prescription for ivermectin for both him and his wife, who had he's come down with COVID. Salier told Steve Dace over the blaze, he began feeling sick October 1st, and after testing, he was found positive for COVID-19. After his diagnosis, Salier said he attempted to receive monoclonal antibody treatments by applying through the Minnesota Resource Allocation Platform, but his requests went unanswered. He said, we never so much as heard a word back, not even an acknowledgment, that the requests had been put in. Failing that, Saylor obtained a doctor's prescription for ivermectin, a drug approved for use against parasites, but not FDA, not FDA authorized for use in treating COVID-19. The Biden administration, state health departments, and Merck, the manufacturer of the drug, have all warned against using it for treatment of COVID-19. Well, it works, though. The problem is it works. The FDA has specifically Warrant against the use of ivermectin to treat or prevent COVID-19, noting currently available data do not show ivermectin is effective against COVID-19. Clinical trials assessing ivermectin tablets for the prevention or treatment of COVID-19 in people are ongoing. Nevertheless, groups like the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance and America's frontline doctors have touted the drug's benefits, claiming the Nobel Prize-winning drug is very effective at treating COVID-19. Some scientists disagree, highlighting flaws in studies cited in support for ivermectin as a COVID treatment and urging people that more research is necessary for the drug should be prescribed for COVID patients. Wait a minute, what about the right to try? What about the right to try? Oh, that's right. We got a guy in the Oval Office now who'd rather you die than try. Okay, got it, got it. In response, pharmacies and hospitals in the U.S. have generally followed the government's recommendations and have denied ivermectin to COVID patients. Sellier says that's what happened to him and his wife. Quote The prescription was sent into our local Walmart here in Albert Lee, Minnesota, and it was refused to be filled by the pharmacist. This pharmacist contacted my wife, telling her he would not fill it. My wife told him he did not have the right to stand between our physician's prescription and the patient. He asserted he did have that right and refused to do so. Salius says he and his wife were left in limbo after the pharmacist continued to deny them access to ivermectin even after the physician called him to discuss the matter. He said we were faced with either continuing to suffer and quite possibly ending up in the hospital, explaining they decided to take a risk and purchased a horse pace version of the drug that's not intended for human consumption. It could be dangerous if overdosed. He said, I was forced with this decision. I was either going to lay there, suffer, and be at life's peril of losing my time with my family, or I was going to eat that horse paste. And down the hatch it went. Fortunately, he did not overdose and told Steve Days over the blaze. Within eight hours, he began to feel relief from his COVID symptoms. Now he says he wants a reckoning with Walmart and the pharmacist who denied him access to ivermectin. He says, if you ever wanted to find out what it is to punch a Marine in the face and what type of response you're going to get, well, America, you're about to see the type of response that you get. Because if you take on me and my family and you stand between our physician and the health care that they have prescribed to me as a life-saving thing, in my opinion, that is what it did, then you have got a fight on your hands, and I'm coming for that fight. So he is uh, partnering with a group called We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit that defends civil liberties to raise money to file a federal lawsuit against a pharmacist in Walmart. Oh, I, I, I strongly approve of that. In the meantime, I'm wondering why he didn't go to a local pharmacy, because a lot of times local pharmacies will do stuff that these big chains won't do. But, yeah, I mean, sue them. Absolutely sue them. No question. No question about it. It's an outrage. It is an absolute outrage. Speaking of outrages, we have more breaking news. Biden secretly flying underage migrants into New York in the dead of night. Have you heard about this? This broke shortly before we started the live stream today. And I will share that with you. Let me, um, let me run this liner for just a, a, a half a minute here so I can take a breath and get a drink of water. More coming up straight ahead on the Doc Washburn Show. You're listening to The Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download to your smartphone. The show is also available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. All right, there you go. Let me tell you what. Um, let me tell you what's going on here. New York Post reports: plane loads of underage migrants are being flown secretly into suburban New York in an effort by Dementia Joe's administration to quietly resettle them across the region. The charter flights originate in Texas, where the ongoing border crisis has overwhelmed local immigration officials and have been underway since at least August, according to sources familiar with the matter last week. The New York Post saw two planes land at the Westchester County Airport, where most of the passengers who got off appeared to be children and teens with well, a small portion appearing to be men in their 20s. Gee, I wonder if the men in their 20s were human traffickers, sex traffickers of the children in the teens. I wonder if that's possible. As Dementia Joe's administration works hand-in-hand with the drug cartels. Westchester County, New York police stood by as the passengers, whose flights arrived at 10.49 p.m. Wednesday and 9.52 p.m. Friday, got off the planes and piled into buses. Some of them were later seen meeting up with relatives or sponsors in New Jersey. Wait, 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 wait. Hold everything. How do you know they were relatives? How do you know they were sponsors? How do you know they weren't traffickers? I mean, it wouldn't bother Biden if traffickers were getting them. You know that. Some of them were later seen meeting up with relatives or sponsors in New Jersey or being dropped off at a residential facility on Long Island. A New York Post analysis of online flight tracking data suggests that around 2,000 migrants nabbed after sneaking into the U.S., from Mexico have arrived at the airport outside White Plains on 21 flights since August 8th. Records show some of the planes touched down between midnight and 6.30 a.m. when a voluntary curfew is in effect, with two arriving from Houston at 2.13 a.m. and 4.29 a.m. on August 20th. The clandestine nature of the operation raises questions about how the White House is dealing with a recent surge in unaccompanied minors. The most recent figures from U.S. Customs and Border Protection show that just during July and August, almost 38,000 unaccompanied minors were caught entering the U.S. from Mexico, sometimes after being abandoned by professional smugglers known as coyotes. Videos show some children dropped over the border wall, or abandoned in remote areas. But for Biden and the puppet masters, it's a feature, not a bug, right? Right? A source familiar with the operation of the Westchester Airport said the underage migrants typically arrive carrying backpacks, And her bus to locations including the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Newburgh in upstate New York, Bridgeport and Danbury, in Connecticut, around 12.30 a.m. Saturday. it stopped in Syoset, Long Island, at the campus of Mercy First, a nonprofit sponsored by the Catholic Sisters of Mercy that provides housing and services for children and adolescents who are the victims of societal problems, according to their website. Well, I'm sure they get uh, federal money for that just like Catholic Charities does, for moving in illegal aliens to this country. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The only thing I can think uh, that is going to stop and turn all of this around is voting these people out. And... A lot of people have valid concerns if they could steal the election from Trump last November, which clearly they did, how are we ever going to stop them from stealing the next one? Now, I'm under the impression that Georgia and Arizona have changed some laws to make it more difficult. I'm not sure about the other swing states. Because You know, when you ask the question, why did five swing states stop counting the votes simultaneously on election night? Well, we asked the question. It didn't bother anybody on Fox, but. There's a big hurdle we have to get over. You know. To take back control of this country, electorally. Wise man once said, "Work like everything depends on you. Pray like everything depends on God." Now, I uh, I still have in the back of my mind Dan Bongino's bravery yesterday, and telling the CEO of the company he works for you either drop the vaccine mandate and rehire these people or I'm walking. And he said, "What is it like for people to have to tell their kids uh, we might lose the house because uh, Mary Burner fired us for not taking the vaccine." I'm fortunate to have this podcast. People have asked me, "Well, how do you plan on making any money out of it?" Well, At some point in the next few weeks, we'll start doing some uh, live endorsement advertising. That's how. In the meantime, we're trying to get the word out, and we are just thrilled that every day we have more and more and more uh, downloads of our podcast. Um. I think, it's, I think it's getting close to 9,000 downloads now for just the first five episodes. They tell me that's good. Anyway, the great U.S. Representative Thomas Massey is out there on Twitter this morning pointing out that OSHA, OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, part of the Labor Department, openly advocates ignoring vaccine-related injuries. They say there's no need to report them because they hurt the agenda. And he has a screenshot from their website. And it says, are adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccine recordable on the OSHA record-keeping log? answer. Labor Department and OSHA, as well as other federal agencies, are working diligently to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations. OSHA does not wish to have any appearance of discouraging workers from receiving COVID-19 vaccination and also does not wish to disincentivize employers' vaccination efforts. As a result, OSHA will not enforce 29 CFR 1904's recording requirements to require any employers to record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccination at least through May of 2022. Okay, so what they're saying is if you have, what is it, the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, called it a few months ago, a risk of uh serious health complications from taking the vaccine. OSHA is saying, if that happens to you, we don't want to hear about it until at least May of next year because we want people to get vaccinated and we don't care if it hurts them. We will reevaluate the agency's position at that time, May 2022, to determine the best course of action moving forward. You know, I read one time, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's what I read. So Fox 21 News in Denver, Colorado, has an article. Pardon me, I guess it's Colorado Springs. Yeah, Colorado Springs, I'm sorry. Parents demanding answers following allegations that teachers forced middle school students in Colorado Springs to tape masks to their faces. Have you heard about this? Academy School District 20 is now investigating the claims. More than 100 students and staff members are being interviewed about the situation. A picture of a sixth grader from Chinook Trail Middle School with her mask taped to her face made its round on social media over the weekend. The mother of the child said it was posted to find out if other parents were aware of the new policy of taped masks and if there were more students being taped. The mother, Stephanie M., says it's a type of restraint to me. Stephanie told Fox 21 News Colorado Springs she had sent her daughter a picture from TimeHop, an app that shares photos from years past, and the daughter sent her a selfie in return wearing a mask with tape on it Friday. That's when Stephanie started asking questions. She said with the mask mandates and everything, she's become, she likes them because they hide her face because of acne or whatnot. What really made me sad was that she didn't see what was wrong. Stephanie explained her that her daughter was only given one warning to keep her mask over her nose or she would need to tape to keep it up. The sixth grader told her mom that a couple of weeks ago this new policy went into practice with teachers enforcing it. Parent Tori Skeldum said she said the teachers were wearing the masking tape Around their wrists like bracelets. And whenever someone's mask would fall down, they would tape them. It's sad that our world is coming to this and teachers would think it is okay. Now, there's the elephant in the living room. I got to address here, right? There's something I got to address here, right? Looking at the picture of this blue masking tape around the mask. If you don't have the tape around the mask, then perhaps a little bit of air can get through, okay? Perhaps a little bit of air can come in from the top of the mask or the left or right side. Perhaps you can get a little bit of air and not be potentially poisoned by breathing in your own carbon dioxide, all right? But these teachers are child abusers. And they want the children to have to breathe their own carbon dioxide. Right? See, all these folk that you see uh, candid pictures of now, Joe and Jill Biden, uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom, Arkansas Governor, Asa Hutchinson, all these people, you see these pictures of not wearing masks, but oh, 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 the five year old, they got to wear masks. We don't have to, but they have to. They're child abusers. They're child abusers. Anyway, the rest of the Fox 21 story out of Colorado Springs. Academy School District 20 has had a mask mandate since September 27 because of so many kids having to quarantine, but these parents think they're taking it too far. Now, Stephanie explained, it's developing some sort of mentality in our children where that kind of restraint over your face, Your, your face is you, that's how people know you. They're just doubling down on hiding you and not letting you breathe, and it's just conformity to the extreme. The school district said in a statement, Currently, we do not have concrete findings, as we know more. We will keep our community apprised. We thank our community for their patience and support as we take the appropriate steps to steps to address these serious allegations. What? Wait. Wait. This looked like an official policy, and now they're saying, hey, we don't know, this looks bad. Is that like that school district in Loudoun County, Virginia, where they arrested the dad for protesting because his 15-year-old daughter was raped by a guy wearing a dress who came into the ladies' room and they tried to cover it up? I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But does it really still seem like a good idea to send minor children To a government school, where they not only try to indoctrinate them, but in some schools, torment them. Y'all really think that's still a good idea? A woman named Allison Cortez, who pays to be the, uh, who is paid to be the the PR spokesperson for this D twenty school district there in uh, Colorado Springs, said. And I quote, we've heard rumors that uh, students did it on their own. We've heard rumors that teachers handed out the tape. We've heard rumors that teachers joked about it, but the students got the tape. Uh, There's so many versions of this story here. That is why we need to actually talk with every single student and find out what really happened. Now, I I don't know if that's the way she talks, but it just seems fitting and appropriate to me uh the Chinook trail middle school principal is planned to meet with the uh, parents stephanie and her daughter to discuss what happened on friday yeah yeah good luck with that good luck with that again again we're outraged but they're not we're outraged but they're not for them it's a feature not a bug Happening in Vegas, too. Las Vegas elementary teacher tapes mask to fourth grader's face. Mother of a nine-year-old student at Carolyn S. Reedham Elementary School in Vegas contacted Vegas News earlier this week with a horrific story of how kids were being humiliated by their teacher who was upset when they didn't wear their masks properly. To teach them a lesson, she began taping their masks to their faces to humiliate them in front of their class. On Tuesday, the mother was informed by school administrators that her son showed up at the office with a mask taped to his face. When the office staff asked her son about the tape on his face, he told them his teacher, who was upset he didn't pull up his mask after taking a drink of water, had taped it to his face. His mother told Vegas News she physically taped his mask to his face in front of the entire class. She had taped it all the way up to his forehead. I don't know how to explain it to you, but um, some folk who work for the government are bad people. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, There's a guy who used to go by the name of Richard Levine who decided he wanted to start living as a woman, call himself Rachel Levine, and somehow he became the head of the uh, the Pennsylvania State Health Department. And then whoever pulls Biden's strings decided to make this guy who pretends he's a woman, the US, uh, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health for this whole country, right? And now the administration announces that uh, this guy is going to be sworn in as a four-star admiral in the public health service. So you take a guy who's mentally ill, a guy who thinks he can become a woman, and you make him number two in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and now you say he's also an admiral. They're rubbing our faces in it. You know what I'm saying? They're rubbing our faces in it, just so you know. Again, I've said it before. I'm unmasked, I'm unfiltered, I'm uncensored. I'm not worried about letting the chips fall where they may. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And again, that's one of the things that just flabbergasted me when yesterday Dan Bongino had the guts to do that on terrestrial radio. And to throw down the gauntlet, that's uh, God bless him. God bless him. All right, so Dementia Joe's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, used to be the... uh, Governor of Michigan. Did you hear what she said over the weekend?
1: You know, we've got a global problem, and China is a big contributor to that. We are too, but we don't have much um, moral authority to say you should be doing this if we're not taking action and deploying the technology that we need to deploy. Really?
0: Really? We don't have much moral authority to call out communist China. Really? See, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. KUSI News, big TV station, San Diego points out that according to San Diego County's website, there were more positive COVID-19 cases among vaccinated people than unvaccinated people recently. And they went to a data analyst Justin Hart to discuss the data. We got a, a little soundbite on that.
2: About 60 percent of the population here in San Diego, if you go from zero to 100 ages, uh, are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. And about 54 percent of the cases in the last report uh, showed that they came from the fully vaccinated population. And,
0: And, you know, that works out population wise. But now you're scratching your head thinking, I don't think that's the way
2: vaccines are supposed to work. Right.
0: Yeah, it's not how they're supposed to work. It's not how they're supposed to work. It's absolutely not how they're supposed to work. And they know that. And it's making them crazy. I got to tell you each day, each day is. And adventure. So, you know, Norm Macdonald passed away a few weeks ago, the great comedian Norm Macdonald. It was such a shock because none of us expected it. We had no idea that he'd been fighting cancer for nine years because he hardly told anybody. Somebody posted a screenshot of something Norm Macdonald said Apparently, the afternoon of January 6, 2021, I loved when the violent terrorists made sure to respect the velvet ropes in Statuary Hall. And the only response was, I miss Norm. I do, too. I do, too. The day we found out that Norm MacDonald, the great, the late great Norm MacDonald, passed a few weeks ago, I was on a group text with a couple of my brothers, one of my sons, another friend of ours, and my brother Dave said, uh, he was in Atlanta, he said, I'm sitting outside a Chinese restaurant crying because Norm died today. And about 30 or 40 minutes later, he texted again. He said, plus they're out of egg rolls and that that right there <laughs> would have been a line that norm would have loved trust me on this trust me on this look before we get out of here um i got to share with you a um a classic case of how to stand up and push back against the lying liberal media. A woman named Bari Weiss, who used to write for the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and now writes on Substack, has her own podcast, was on with Brian Stelter, the potato, on CNN. He's got a show on the weekends nobody watches called Reliable Sources. And she just crushed him. And he pretended like he didn't understand her complaints about the media, like she must be out of her mind. But she just crushed him. And it went something like this.
1: You write, there are tens of millions of Americans who aren't on the hard left or the hard right who feel the world has gone mad. So in what ways has the world gone mad?
3: Well, you know, when you have the chief reporter on the beat of COVID for The New York Times talking about how questioning or pursuing the question of the lab leak is racist, the world has gone mad when you're not able to say out loud and in public that there are differences between men and women, the world has gone mad. When we're not allowed to acknowledge that rioting is rioting and it is bad, and that silence is not violence, but violence is violence, the world has gone mad. When we're not able to say that Hunter Biden's laptop is a story worth pursuing, the world has gone mad. When in the name of progress, young school children, as young as kindergarten, are being separated in public schools because of their race, and that is called progress rather than segregation. The world has gone mad. There hmm. are dozens of examples that I could share with with you and with and your. And you viewers, often say you say sort of knows this, and you say we're not allowed, we're not able. Between...
1: Who's the people stopping the conversation? Who are they?
0: He's pretending that that's a legitimate question. Watch her take his head off.
3: Um. People that work at networks, frankly, like the one I'm speaking on right now, who try and claim that, you know, it was it was racist to investigate the lab leak theory. It was. I mean, let's just take an example. But
1: I'm just saying that when you say allowed, I just think it's a provocative thing you say. You say you say we're not allowed to talk about these things, but they're all over the Internet. I can Google them. I can find them everywhere. I've heard about every story you mentioned.
3: So I'm just suggesting, of course, people are allowed to cover whatever they want to cover. But you and I both know, and it would be delusional to claim otherwise, that touching your finger to an increasing number of subjects that have been deemed third rail by the Mm. mainstream institutions and increasingly by some of the tech companies will lead to reputational damage, perhaps you losing your job, um, your children sometimes being demonized as well. And so what happens is a kind of Mm. internal self-censorship. This Mm. is something that I saw over and over again when I was at the New York Times.
0: There it is. Hat tip to Brent Baker over Media Research Center. Thank them for their uh, their wonderful work. God bless Brent Baker. God bless Barry Weiss. And God bless the great American. Dan Bongino. Who, on a regular basis on his show, says he loves the Lord Jesus Christ and he certainly proved it yesterday by following the biblical admonition to speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. God bless America. May he save us from continuing to go down an evil, evil path which we have brought on ourselves. This is the Doc Washburn Show, episode six for Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. Appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all spreading the word. We'll continue doing this as long as God allows. Thank you so much.